0: Which crisis do you want to talk about? You want to talk about stock market? Isn't there some kind of virus going around right now? North Korea? Is that still a crisis? Uh, we've got retirements. That's just national. Then I look around and we've got crises in our church. We're praying for Everett. Everett's having a hard time getting out of the hospital. We've got Frank, who is, uh, we're still praying for Frank. We've got Harold in a crisis. And I, and that's just some. We've got Erica's dad who we're still praying for. We've got all these crises happening. There's never a shortage of crises in our life. And what happens is there's a couple different ways to handle the crisis. And so today we want to know and we want to learn from the example of Daniel. So I'm going to cover the first seven chapters. So I'm going to read to them. I'm going to try to limit my commentary on the first seven, chapter, first seven verses and the second chapter of daniel but we need to understand the context before we get into verses 8 through 15 which joey read so i want to these are like the highlights of it but i want to walk through it because i got to make sure we understand what is happening so get your copy of god's word daniel chapter 2 starting in verse 1 now in the second year of king nebuchadnezzar or nebuchadnezzar's reign so daniel is we believe he's right around 17 he started at 15 it's been two years remember he has three years of indoctrination into the culture, into the, the education of Babylon. So he's in year two of three, all right? So that's just 17-year-old kid, all right? I got seven, a 17-year-old guy. Just think about what you were doing at 17, and look at what Daniel's doing at 17, all right? So the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. Rough translation. He did not have multiple dreams, He had one dream that happened multiple times. So we need to make sure there's not many dreams he's having. He's having just one dream. And in that culture and in that mindset, King Nebuchadnezzar is having this reoccurring dream that's causing him angst. Because he knows that someone's trying to talk to him and he just can't figure out who's saying what. So that's what's happening. So not multiple dreams, just one. We'll see that on the screen later on in the verses that we will study. All right. So let's keep going. Verse 2. Then the king gave the command to all the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dream. So they came and they stood before the king. Hey, I'm having this dream. It continues to reoccur. All the really smart people come in, and you need to tell me what's going on. All right? So he's seeking wisdom. He's looking for answers. Verse 3, And the king said to them, I have had a dream and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. All right, see? Not multiple dreams, one dream from verse 3. We'll see that again later, as I said. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic. That's the, the, the translation of the, the vernacular the language of that day. They said, oh, king, live forever. They're buttering up the king because, uh, spoiler alert, they don't know what's going on. So we don't know what's going on. You're just going to tell people what they want to hear. Welcome to politics of 2020. Tell your servant the dream, and we'll give you interpretation. Hey, king says, I'm having this dream. I need you to tell me interpretation. Guys come back and say, "Uh, why don't you tell us the dream, and we'll tell you the interpretation. The king says, hold on, time out. That's not going to fly. Verse 5, the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, my decision is firm. I've made up my mind. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, then you shall be cut into pieces, and your house shall be burned into ash and heat. Hey, you're not only going to tell me the interpretation, you're going to tell me the dream so that I know you're not just blowing smoke. Because the king's having his dream. All these wise men who know that they don't know are coming in they are saying, hey, tell us a dream and we'll just tell you something. And you, people tell you all, they tell you things all the time, don't they? Oh, Tell me what's going on and I'll give you a solution to it. The king says, no, I want the dream and then I'm going to be able to, to trust the interpretation. And if you can't do this, I'm going to tear you limb for limb. And this isn't like a, oh, I'm going to be really angry. He's going to rip them apart, literally, in every sense of the word. He will decapitate these men if they cannot come to an understanding. Is this a crisis they're in? Yeah. Kind of puts our crises in a little bit bigger, different of a box, doesn't it? (coughs) Verse 6. However, if you tell me the dream and its interpretation you receive from me the gifts, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. Hey, you have one of two choices. Don't tell me the dream and die, or tell me the dream and you'll have all kinds of great riches here on earth. They answered again, the wise men, in verse 7, they said, Let the king tell his servants the dreams and we will give you interpretation. Hey, king, you got to tell me what we need to know so I can tell you what you think you want to hear. Th- I, I'm not, this, we might as well just put this right on the internet. Because this is what's going on today. This crisis is happening. Verse 8, the king said, I know for certain that you are gaining time. Because you see that my decision is firm. Hey, y'all are stalling. Tell me what I want to know. Tell me what I need to hear. And tell me now. This is the king. This isn't like some little wishy-washy person that's the, the, the towel scrubber. I need to know, and I need to know now. I'm the king. Make it happen, or you will not be here for dinner verse 9. If then you do not make the dream known to me, there is only one decree for you. Hey, tell me the dream and its interpretation, or here's what's going to happen, verse 9b. For you have agreed to speaking lies and corrupt words before me till the time has changed. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can give me its interpretation. Hey, I'm having this dream. I need to know the interpretation. You tell me the dream. If not, I know you're blowing smoke. Everything before me, I know that you're blowing smoke. So you're going to die because you've been lying to me. I'm the king. This is a, you see the crisis that we're in? I don't want to make light of it. This is a serious crisis that we are in, that Daniel is in. The Chaldeans answered the king. So you see this, this back and forth going on to Chaldeans. The wise men answered the king, and they said to him, there's not a man on earth who could tell the king's matter. Hey, what you're asking, it's not fair. No one on planet Earth can tell you what is happening and what is going on. Therefore, no king, no lord, no ruler, no one has ever asked such things of the magicians, the astrologers, or the Chaldeans. You don't understand what you're asking, king. What you're asking for, it cannot happen. It is impossible. It cannot be done. Verse 11, it is a difficult thing that the king requests. And there is no other way that we... I'm sorry, let me try it again. It is a difficult thing that the king requests. And there is no other who can tell it to the king except the gods. Hey, king, what you're asking for? Only the gods. Not the god, big G, but the little gods, the, the, the gods, little G, the false gods. Hey, only the gods can tell you this. You're, you're trying to tap into a power that nobody can tap into, king. Come on. This is unfair verse 12 for this reason the king was angry he's angry why because he's having a dream all these really smart people around him and he can't get the answers from the smartest people in the world and he's angry and he's very furious and he gave the command to destroy all the wise men of babylon y'all can't tell me what i want fine i'm going to rip your limb for limb i'm going to burn your houses done bam have a good day that's the decree you want to talk about stress and pressure or crisis? That's what Daniel's in. That's what the wise men are in. Verse 13, so the decree, so the edict, so the command, so the warrant, whatever you want to put in there, so the, the annihilation of all of them, not just some of them, all of them. The, the decree went out, and they began killing the wise men. And they sought Daniel and his companions to kill him. Hold on. Daniel's not even in the room. He's not even there. Look at verse. If we go back, this is not even, this is like the appetizer to the message. Daniel, when he's called in verse 2, all the wise men are called. Where's Daniel? He's not even invited because he's only been in here for two years. He's two years into his training. The king never even thought to invite Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, into the room for all the wise men to counsel him. But yet, here comes Daniel. And he's going to die because the king can't get the answers to the questions that he wants to have. So here comes Daniel into this crisis, and he is going. He just he's seventeen, and he's going to die. I, I can't make that any nicer than it sounds. It's the truth. No one can figure out what's happening. No one can figure out what's going on, and so Daniel's going to die because he's one of the quote wise men. But it's interesting this whole passage from chapters one through seven are written in Aramaic. They're written in Aramaic because that is the language of the common people. And if we wanna be able to speak truth, we need to be able to speak it in the language that people understand. And when we go out and we share our faith, we need to make sure we share it in a way that people understand. So the question I have this morning is, how do we respond to a crisis? Uh, How do we respond to a crisis? I've set the table for you. I've helped you understand what the crisis is, how do we as believers, how do we as people that says, I want to follow Christ, how do we respond? How do we respond with a crisis? How do we respond when something goes on that, like going on in the life of Daniel, all right? The first thing we want to do is we want to be calm. You ever watch people that are in a crisis? Sometimes, listen, I'm not telling you I've got this all worked out. I'm telling you this morning that I'm learning From the life of daniel and when a crisis happens we need to be calm we need to be assured and we need to make sure that we remain calm let's look at verses 14 and 15 with then with counsel and wisdom all right so remember daniel how old is he 17 17 year old kid how wise were you at 17 how well counseled were you at 17 we see that daniel has a favor from the lord all right so when, then, with wise counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard. This is a really nice, politically correct translation of what this man's job title is. If you look at it in Hebrew, the captain of the king's guard—you know how it's translated? <laughs> it's translated chief butcherer. So the guy went out, the guy that does all the dirty work for the king. His, he's the king. He's the king's butcherer. You know what's coming when the chief butcherer comes. And I'm not talking a good meal. Because remember, what decree just went out? Ripping arm for arm, limb for limb. So this guy, Arioch, he's the king's butcherer. He's coming to Daniel at 17. And he's only coming for one reason. And one reason only. He's coming to declare and to enforce the decree. Who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. It's like the person, and if you work in a big company, you got the HR guy or gal. Their only job is to fire people. And if you ever hear that, hear that knock on the door, and you look up, you go, oh, no, it's you. You know, you might as well just get your box ready to go. Here comes Daniel sitting in his room. Here comes a knock on the door. Who is it? It's Ariok. Oh, man, it's the chief butcher. This cannot be good. It's 17. <coughs> Sorry. He answered and said to Ariok, the king's captain. Guy comes in, knocks on the door. Hey, why is the decree from the king so urgent? Daniel doesn't even know what's going on. Here comes this kid at 17 years old. He doesn't even know what is happening. So this, just stop and, just stop and make sure you understand. Daniel is only human. Daniel is not sovereign. There's only one sovereign person, and it is God. So Daniel's sitting in his room. There's a whole party going on with the wise men. The decree went out. Daniel's sitting in his room going, I missed it. I missed the news feed. What is going on and why is, the, why is this message so urgent? Why did you come to my room to have this decree? Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. He told Daniel, hey, this is what's going on. This is what happened. So first of all, Daniel's just being calm. Hey, what is the situation? What is happening? What's the crisis that you're going through? If someone tells, comes to you and they're all worked up, they're full of angst, the first thing you need to do is understand what the problem is because we do not know everything. Your pastor does not know everything. So when you deal with a crisis, hey, help me understand what is going on. Second thing we need to do is we need to be praying. We, first of all, we need to be calm. Be calm, hard to do. Second thing, we need to be praying, verses 16 through 18. So Daniel went in, and he asked the king to give him time. What did the king just get done saying in verses 1 through 10? Stop stalling. You all are stalling for time. Stop stalling. Daniel walks into the king. First of all, you just don't walk into the king. We see that in the book of Esther. You just don't walk into the king. He doesn't have an open-door policy. You just walk in, hey, king, how was your day today? But he, he somehow gets into the king. Uh, it makes me, I don't want to read into the text. I don't want to assume into the text. But I know that Daniel and Arioch have some kind of relationship. And somebody gets Daniel in to see the king. So Daniel walks in, has enough gumption. How old is he again? I forget. Okay, 17-year-old kid. How wise and how respectful were you at 17? So Daniel went in and he asked the king to give him time. Hey, king, I need some time. This guy, Arioch, the chief butcher. He came to rip me limb for limb. Can I, can I get a day? Can I get two days on this? That he might tell the king your interpretation. Hey, king, before you kill me, can I have a shot at this? Why wasn't Daniel there? Why, where's Daniel? Two theories. These are theories. You know, there's a difference between fact and theory. First theory is that Daniel wasn't even invited by the king because Daniel hadn't finished his training. The second theory that some commentators go with is that Daniel didn't associate with the other wise men. Remember in verse, uh, chapter 1, he, he set apart in his heart to be different. And so some commentators said he didn't run around with these wise men, the astrologers and the Chaldeans, because they were bad company. Bad company corrupts good morals. So Daniel wasn't even part of them. So when the edict went out to get the wise men, Daniel's over in his room with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Which theory you want is fine with me. Uh, I'll buy you the one. So the king comes and says, hey, give me some time. That might tell you interpretation. So Daniel went to his house. The king gave him time. That is a miracle in itself. I don't want to underplay that. I don't want to overplay it. But the fact that the king put out a decree, and says everybody dies, and the king has a change of heart, and says, okay, I'll give you a couple days. I'll give you a night. Tells you the favor of God upon Daniel. So Daniel went to his house, and he made a decision known. What decision? The The decree. And then the decision the king said, fine, I'll give you some time. To Hananiah and Mishael, Azariah, and his companions, what did Daniel do? He went and he got help. Some of you, some of us—I'll put that in me. I'm a very private person. While you have a public position, I do, but I don't like to tell you a lot about what's going on in my life. I got this prayer request. I got that prayer request. And what happens is, don't miss don't miss this. I know that some of you are private. And I'm not chastising you. I understand that. I understand that. But what happens is, is, when there's a crisis, you don't reach out for help. And you try to go it alone. And, and we can't help if we don't know. And those who don't know don't know that they don't know. So Daniel went, he got time, he bought time from the king. And what does he do? He doesn't go back and just sit in his room and pray. He did that. I'll get to that in a minute. He went back and got his three buddies. He went and got a circle. He got a group of friends together. And that is sometimes what's missing in some of our lives, is it not? We're going through life, and we try to go through it by ourselves. And we forget that there's a group of people that want to help. But those people can't help if they don't know. So this is a really challenging part for me going, Daniel went back and got his three buddies, and they prayed together. And he said that they might seek the mercies. If we want to get into the the Hebrew word, the word for mercies is God's response to a person's need. They went back and they, they have this problem. They have this crisis. What's the crisis? No one on earth can figure out Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Everybody knows that. There's only one person that can figure it out. Who is it? It's God. So they go and they seek mercies. They seek God's response to their need. And how do they do that? They do that through prayer. How many times do you and I have a crisis? How many times do we have a need? And we do everything on earth possible to try to get out of that crisis. And then we throw up our hands and we say, oh, guess I'll pray now. Right? Is it just me? They have this huge crisis. He goes, he gets his three friends... And they begin to pray from to God to seek help that only God can provide concerning this secret. Remember the dreams? They have one secret. He has one dream. So that Daniel and his companions might not perish. Why are they motivated? They don't want to die. They don't want to die. They don't want to perish with the rest of the men of Babylon. They are very well motivated to be praying. They want to bring glory to God. They want to make sure their lives are not taken. He's 17 years old. All right, let's keep going. Daniel's calm. He doesn't know what's going on. He says, hey, what's going on? Help me understand. He then goes to the king. He's praying person. He then is reassuring. Be reassuring. Let's look at verse 19. Then the secret. How many secrets do we have? One secret. The one dream that's reoccurring. Then that secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Don't miss what Daniel did. Don't miss what Daniel did. Let me go back. Verse 17 and 18. He got his three buddies. They took time. They prayed. They sought the mercies of God. They prayed to God. Then what did they do? They went to bed. They went to bed. Well, prayed about it. There's nothing more I can do. If God in heaven is not going to answer, me staying up, and worrying about it all night is not going to change anything. But you know what happens when we worry? Randy hit it this morning in Sunday school. did a great job. What happens is we worry because we want to be in control. And if I worry, if I stress enough, then I'm going to be able to get control of a situation I have don't have any control over. So I'm going to sit up. I'm going to stew. I'm going to worry about it. I'm going to stress about it. I'm going to bite my nails about it. I'm going to pull out my hair about it. I'm going to do all this about it. I'm going to stress eat about it. I'm not going to eat about it because I want to gain control of a situation that I cannot gain control of. Daniel, friends, this is this is, this is the biggest crisis he's ever had at 17. His life, he's not going to see 18. And he goes, he says, God, only you can do this. I'm seeking your mercy. I'm praying to you. And then he goes to bed. And let me tell you, in a moment of vulnerability, when there's a lot of stress happening, I'm just not laying down thinking about, oh, yep, God, you've got it. I'm laying down and doing about it. Well, if if he says this and I'm going to say this and he'll say this and he'll say this and this could happen, this could happen, this could happen, and I go down the road. I go down What If Alley, and I'm just not talking about I take a little detour. I'm talking. I go the whole way. And Daniel says, God, uh, only you can be the one to do this. Prays about it, and he goes to bed. And God answers his prayer in a night vision. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. He is reassured. So Daniel, blessed the God of heaven. Just imagine. I'm going to try to equate it, and it's not going to be a good equation. You have, you play the Powerball, and you watch the nightly news at 7 o'clock, and that winning number comes up, whatever five, seven digits, whatever you play, whatever, just go with me on it. And all of a sudden, the announcer says, here's the winning Powerball ticket. And you look at the Powerball ticket for $17,799,000 billion trillion dollars. First of all, if you tithed off of that, that would be exciting. All right, second of all, let's go back. Just imagine you're sitting there with the Powerball ticket. You won. And you go, yeah, I'll take care of that tomorrow. And you put it in the drawer and you go to bed. Would you do that? No, beloved, you would not do that. You would... Dare I say, you get up and do a happy dance. And as Baptist, that would be fun to see. But you would get up and you would be excited, wouldn't you? Just Here's Daniel, 17 years old. He's got a warrant on his head. He is going to be ripped limb from limb. God gives him the answers to the dream and the interpretation. And what does Daniel do? He sits there and he blesses the God of heaven. Brings us into the final one. Daniel was worshiping don't miss it so many times what happens is that when we get an answer to prayer thanks god here's the next one thanks god here's the next one thanks god here's the next one and it becomes a laundry list a grocery list of prayer requests that happen to god and we forget to stop and be worshipful to the lord for what he has done And I've seen it in my own life in the last six months to a year. I'm so busy on everything God needs to do that I forget to be thankful for what God has done. And I get out of balance. I start leaning one way or the other. Oh, God is not answering my prayers. Oh, God does not hear me. Oh, God, where are you at? Daniel stops and he blesses the Lord. Look at verse 20. He's sitting here. He's sitting here with the answer that the king has and Daniel hasn't left the room. Just imagine if you had the cure for cancer, you would be running out. I've got it. Not in a a way to elevate yourself, just because you can save the lives of hundreds and thousands of people. Daniel, 17-year-old kid, he's got the answer. He hasn't left his room. He hasn't left his bed because he's not done worshiping God. Look at verses 20 through 23. Daniel answered. God spoke to him in a dream, spoke to him in a vision as he was sleeping. I still can't get my mind around that, friends. He went to bed and slept with a warrant on his head that he was going to be killed. How can you sleep like that? That's one of my questions. So Daniel responded. He said, blessed be the name of the God forever. If you want to, I left some room on your back of your sheet. Four different things I see, four key aspects to the prayer of Daniel. The first one is Daniel is blessing or praising God who has all wisdom and knowledge. He says, blessed be the God forever and ever imagine. Just sit. Just sit and try to let your mind wander. Just imagine the relief that Daniel has. And this isn't something silly like a Powerball. I mean, this is his life. And Daniel sitting there saying, God, blessed be your name forever and ever. For wisdom and might are his, are yours. And he says, how much wisdom, how much power do you have? You have the power to change the times and the seasons. God, only you can do that. He removes the kings and he raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and he reveals the knowledge. Second thing is, first thing is, he praises God for what he can do. The second thing is, is he blesses God and understands God gives wisdom to those who seek it. Look, the pagan kings that I read in the beginning of the chapter, they're sitting there going, listen, only the gods, little g, can figure this out. Daniel sits there and says, God, only you can give the wisdom. Now what happens is pride can puff up. Here comes Daniel 17. How much pride did you have at 17? I can tell you how much pride I had at 17. I thought I could go NASCAR in my dad's car. That didn't work out too well. I didn't have that wisdom. Daniel says, I don't have that pride. He says, God, you give the wisdom to the wise men and the knowledge to those who have understanding. God gets the proper when good things happen, did God get the credit in your life? Oh, I was just really, Daniel, I was really, really smart. No, Daniel says, God, this came from you. He reveals the secret, deep secret things. Only God can do that. He knows what is darkness and what and where light dwells. Darkness and light. Look at that play. Light, people can see. Darkness, people are lost. All right, you can reveal that, God verse 23 i thank you and i praise you god i i worship you oh god my fathers you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you god you revealed that to me how often do we pray and this is our prayer when god answers the way we pray it daniel he he's got a lot to pray for he's got a lot riding on this prayer and yet he's not too busy to stop and thank God. I want you to turn your Bibles really quick. I want you to go to verses 20. I left off at 23. I want to pick up verse 24 really quick. I'm going to kick it in quick mode. Therefore Daniel went to Arioch. So he says this. He went to Arioch. Remember the chief butcherer, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of the Babylon. He went and said to him, do not destroy the wise men. Hey, I've got it. He, did, he only went there after. he praised God, And he worshipped the Lord. How long did this take? I don't know. But don't miss the point that he worshipped before he went out. Take me before the king. I will tell the king the interpretation. Then Ariel quickly brought Daniel before the king and thus said to him, I have found a man of the captive of Judah who will make known to the king the interpretation. Then the king answered and said to Daniel whose name was Belshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Verse 27, 28, that's where I want to go. Daniel answered in the presence of the king, 17-year-old kid, in the, in the court of the most powerful man in his world, he said the secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to your king. Can I put that in a little bit of atomism? The smartest people in your world, they can't figure it out. Verse 28, he says, but there is a God. Notice the difference, not God's little g. There is the God, big G, in heaven who reveals the secret. Who's getting the glory? Is Daniel getting the glory? No, he's pushing it. He, Daniel's the conduit. He's the pointer. that says, there's a God in heaven who told us the secret that he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar that will in the later days, your dream and your vision of your head upon your bed were this. And he goes in the rest of the chapter and he tells the king the dream. He tells the king the interpretation. But before he does that, he says, Don't you miss this. It's not me, it's God. And God gets the glory because Daniel sat and he worshiped. Which one do you need to work on? Do you need to be calm? You got a crisis going on I talked about national crisis some of you have personal crises that I don't even know about and on the outside you're sitting here you got your arms folded, yo I, I got this all oh, I'm good but there is just an angst within your soul because you are anything but calm some of you are so busy doing everything that you forget to stop and pray when the crisis comes you do everything you can with your hands, except for fold them and go to the God of heaven. Some of you are living in, un, you're not living in, in assurance. Daniel, uh, Daniel knows that God's got him. Daniel knows he has a favor of chapter one, last week's message. He sits here, he goes, There is a God in heaven. He's got this figured out. Is Daniel not doing anything? No, he's doing something. But he sits there and goes, I've prayed about it. I've been calm about it. I've talked to the guy who knows, who's the only one that can fix the problem. I might as well go to bed. Friends, I'm not there yet. I'm sorry. God might need my stress to help him get moving. I don't want that to be sacrilegious. But some of us need to live in the assurance that God's got this under control. And then the final thing is sometimes we get so busy. We forget to stop and worship God for all that he has done. This 17-year-old guy, Jude, Jude's age. The and goes, I got the answer. But hold on, God, before I go to the chief butcherer who's at my door, let me stop and praise you. Which one do you need to work on? Calming, praying, assured, or worshipful? Let's close in a word of prayer. As as I pray, how can I pray for you? Is there anybody here this morning that says, Tom, would you pray for me that I would be calm? Because there is there is a lot going on. I need to pray. I, I need you to pray for me that I'd be calm in spirit. Is there anybody here this morning? I see that. Thank you. One hand. Is there anybody here that says, Tom, would you pray for me? Because I need to be a person of prayer first and not a person of prayer last. Would you pray for me for that? One hand. Thank you. Two hands. I see that. Three, thank you. Is there anybody here this morning says, Tom, would you pray for me? Because I I can't go to sleep because I'm too busy, stressed about it. I need to live in assurance. Would you pray for me this morning? One hand, two hands, three hands, four. Thank you. Is there anybody here this morning says, Todd, would you pray for me? Because I'm okay in the top three, but I need to stop and be worshipful for God for what he has done. Would you pray for me for that? See that one hand, two hands. Lord, I thank you for the life of Daniel. He's a 17-year-old guy. And we learned so much from him and how he deals with a crisis. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be men and women, that, men and women that follow you, that are living in a, in a foreign world, and we have the opportunity to speak truth. Lord, help us to be people that are calm. Lord, help us to be people that are not running around, acting crazy, but that we will be people of calmness. Lord, I pray for those that says that they'd be prayerful. Lord, I don't know if it's human nature. I don't know if it's a main nature. I don't know if it's American nature. I don't know if it's our sin nature, but we, we get so busy doing everything but stopping and praying. Lord, help us to be people of prayer first and not last. Lord, I pray for those that that they need to have the assurance to know that you have it under control. And Lord, so often we get worried and we get stressed because we're trying to get a hold of a situation that we cannot get a hold of. So Lord, when we pray, I pray God that you would help us to rest assured knowing that you have it. And Lord, help us not to be so busy going on to the next thing or going on to the next crisis that we don't stop And be worshipful that we don't stop and be reminded of your goodness and of your graciousness and of your answers to prayer lord help us to be like daniel and i pray lord that you would continue to be honored and glorified in all that is said and done in our lives and that people may come to us in a time of crisis because we're calm because we're prayerful because we're assured and because we take time to worship the God of heaven, the only one who has all of the answers. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.